to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. I'm on the pillars. I'm on the third pillar, which is the pillar of attendance. You're welcome, everyone who's joining online. Everyone who's also joining us for the first time, you're welcome. And we've been talking about the pillars of the church. The first one we did was devotion to God through the word, prayer, and the holy life. Then we looked at loyalty to the vision and the visionary. And the third one being attendance. And if what we just did just now is the only reason to gather and meet for church. That would be a sermon on its own. That would be a sermon on its own. And I will say some very interesting things. I'll give some very interesting thoughts. Uh, (laughs) You know, being a pastor sometimes can limit you (laughs) if you allow it to, in the sense that, let me give you an example. Let's say you planned your Sunday sermon and one of the areas you were going to do you were going to deal with was drunkenness. And then on Saturday someone comes to see you and they need help with drunkenness. <laughs> so there's a temptation when preaching, will the person think? <laughs> and then sometimes people can be so how can I put it? They can forget that you've been talking about it all this time. That's why they came to see you in the first place. So, please note that, that some of the things I might say might be a little challenging. If I was being funny, like what I see on your WhatsApp statuses, I would have said if the shoe fits. But <laughs> that's what I see on your statuses. But since I'm a pastor, what I will say is that it's for your encouragement and for your learning, Okay. Now, we're talking about the pillar of attendance, and when we're done with today's sermon, you understand why it's important to attend church. Now, primarily, our initial platform of attending church is physical, right? And that's the primary one. Now, we do have people who attend on the virtual space, and allow me to say this, And I'll say it as it is. If you have an opportunity to be present physically, all factors even, you're able to be present physically, don't let our virtual platforms make you lazy. 
Because sometimes you can have somebody who's just three houses away. They're just there. And they have an opportunity to come to church. And they say, ah, well, it's already live. So if you're watching me and you're just there, Don't worry, when you walk in, we'll not say it's you. Okay? But what I'm trying to say is, I believe it is laziness. If we make the virtual platforms, which are supposed to make our lives easier, replace the aspect of fellowship. Now, what happens if someone is in a position where they are not able to attend physically? They should still, number one, take it so seriously, even if they're attending virtually. If they have to dress up to make it serious, let them do so. Not they're attending church virtually, ukuchi serio, to my knickknacks this side. And no, no you, you must take it so seriously because as far as you're concerned, that's your opportunity to have church. And in addition to that, in addition to that, there must be a part of you that must still be longing for the gathering of the saints. There must always be a part of you that's still longing for that. And one of the reasons why I'm saying this is because it's very, very possible to develop a bad habit even out of a situation that wasn't your fault. Let me explain what I mean. Let's say per adventure you're sent out for work for the next four weeks. And so for those four weeks, you're not able to attend church physically. You'll notice that it will be very easy to miss the fifth week. It will be very easy to miss the fifth week. And usually the key will be that fifth week. That's what will determine whether it will become a bad habit. I hope you're hearing me. And like I said, with COL, we will just say it as it is. So let's look at a few definitions. Attendance is the action or state of going regularly to or being present at a place. And when I was thinking about being present at church, the first scripture that came to mind for me was Genesis 3.8. In Genesis 3.8, we see something very interesting. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam, his wife, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Notice what, notice what is said next. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? God had an appointment with Adam and he asks, Where are you? Why are you not here? I can only imagine... Let's say we have a meeting, whether it's physically or virtually, and there's something God planned to do in your life. But then the football match was on. And so you decided, ah, I'll catch up later. And God asks, where is that one? Like, where are you? I had an appointment to meet you today. I had an appointment to do something in your life today. And he asks, where are you. Never let that be you. Never let that be you. I, I was saying to the people in the first service that some people can end up being the reason why the network is bad. <laughs> like God, is, God wants us to throw Jonah. 
Some media be telling me if the network is bad, I'll be checking through and I'll be seeing who's supposed to be present. Okay. And in my, still in my introductory thoughts, allow me to mention that one particular habit that we must develop as believers is being in the right place at the right time. Because there are certain blessings that are acquainted with being in the right place. I remember somebody once saying to me, saying, the fact that people get healed in your meetings has nothing to do with you guys or your meeting. It's just God who wanted to heal his people. Interestingly, they didn't get healed from home. Somehow, it happened at the meeting. So meaning God had proposed to do something in their life at that meeting. And you'll be amazed by how many people have come to me who received something big at a meeting and they tell you how they initially didn't want to come. You'll be amazed by how many people did not want to attend or all circumstances were leading to them not being present. But somehow they made it. How many of you remember that testimony? Um, it should have been Brenda. Do you remember it? Um, September 3rd, 2016 or 2017, one of the years. How many of you remember that testimony? Those, the lady that came for him and the esophagus was blocked and there were so many other complications. There's one, one of the reasons why that testimony moves me so much is the lady previous days before was admitted in a hospital in Kafue, but she purposed it in her heart that she was going to get the healing at the WEM conference. And she found a way to be there. She purposed it in her heart. And God moved. Praise, praise the Lord. Now, 1 Kings 17 verse 4, God is speaking to Elijah. Let's start from verse 3. Now, Elijah was a great prophet, and he declared a famine in the land, except maybe he forgot he also needed to be eaten in the same land. But God cares so much that he ensures that people have food. And so he says to Elijah, get away from here and turn eastward and hide. Yes, God told him to hide. And he tells him where to hide. He said, by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Then he gives the reason why he should specifically be at that brook. What's the reason? And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. He didn't say, I've commanded them to feed you anywhere you want. He said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Saints of the living God, even for our spiritual nourishment, God has designated where we should be fed. And it's important for you to be there. And we taught the importance of church, right? I think I did that two weeks ago. We taught the importance of church. And by now you should have made a resolve. I was telling someone who asked me, saying, what do you do if you're looking for a church? Now, of course, my answer now is you find a place called City of the Lord Church. But back then, before I was biased, what I told them was, you're wondering why I'm biased? If you're going to make it in ministry and get your reward before heaven, 
You have to evangelize as if you're the only one. Because God will hold you accountable for everyone who is in your sphere. Now, before I was biased, you know what I used to tell people? I would say, if you can find someone who fulfills the primary function, which is, I will give you pastors after my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding, even if they meet under a tree, make that your church. Because that's what's more important. That's more important than anything else. Everyone needs a place where they are fed. So, in 1 Kings 17 verse 4, Elijah is told where, exactly where he should be. And the ravens were going to feed him there. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about church attendance. Give me Hebrews 10 verse 24. And let us consider one another in order, not to, in order to steer up love and good works. Let's continue. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So meaning this thing didn't start now. Even in Apostle Paul's time, there were some you couldn't depend on when it came to being present. It means, if I'm to stand here today and ask, or let's say a visitor came today, and they had to ask, could you please let me know, um, I've just attended and this is point number three, could you help me with the notes for point number one and point number two? which was taught over the past few weeks, everyone in here should be able to say, this is how we started, this is what we learned, and this is where we are, at, we are at now. We shouldn't have to point at specific people and say, oh, if you want to know where we're at right now, ask that one. Never develop that habit where you abscond meetings where God wants you to be there. It's not right for your spiritual edification. And remember, it says as is the manner or as is the habit. It can become a habit. And you know what a habit is? A habit is when you begin to do something and it becomes normal. It becomes your reflex. It becomes automatic. Ladies and gentlemen, all factors even, like I said, I know different circumstances happen and the like. But all factors even, it shouldn't be a miracle to see you in service or to see you online. It shouldn't be a miracle. We are too quiet. I'm not getting any haze today. So now, <laughs> why is it important to regularly attend church meetings? I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, church is the easiest platform through which your pastor can communicate the word of God. We're already taught on the importance of a pastor. And we know that the primary function is to teach the believers the word of God. And the easiest platform to do this is church. And so I'll give you an example of lecturing, right? Some of us here have lectured. Some of us have been lectured. I've done both. You can't start texting all your students 
and telling them, student number one, this is your lesson for today. Student number two, this is your lesson for today. Student number three, this is your lesson for today. What will happen if you've got 100? What will happen if you've got 200? So a lecturer will have a platform through which they deliver the important material, right? And that platform will be called class. And that class will be fitted into a timetable. And then it's not their duty to ensure you're present. It's your duty to ensure you're present. Because you know that you need the information that will be taught. And I'll tell you something. From a lecturer's perspective, when people miss class, the exams are harder. Because you feel insulted. You feel dishonored. Sometimes you've given up your programs and you've driven all the way to teach students and then they decided just not to show up because the legends are out there playing fever. <laughs> I swear when you've been a student before and you know what they do. <laughs> There's always that legend. <laughs> and the other one is binge watching a series. <laughs> Somebody say glory. <laughs> now, in a similar way, the easiest platform for me as your pastor, for your cell leader, for your department head, for NSCM, just apply it to everything. The easiest platform to deliver the word of God to you is through church. That's the easiest platform. When we meet like this, it's easier to deliver the same message to everybody. As a matter of fact, today, this is the second time I'm delivering this message. I don't know whether it's word for word, but I've already added a scripture. <laughs> the first service, people always complain, Pastor, you always add a scripture. And so every time I get home, my, my wife gives me a look for, you did it again, right? You added another verse. I was watching. <laughs> Somebody say glory. But this is the easiest platform for everyone to receive the word. Everyone to receive the word. So that's number one. And we can look at a few scriptures. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words or give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So you must show honor for these words by being present. Another verse, Malachi 2 verse 7. This one absolutely blesses me. And this is what it says about priests. It says, for the lips of a priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. Hey, it says people should seek it. So it's your duty to ensure you're present where the word is being given. It's your duty. If I receive a message, of which I, I, I do sometimes, and somebody says, Pastor, I'm not able to make it because of ABCD, I usually wait for the part where they tell me, however, I will catch up like ABCD. Because we've got everything recorded. And it's your duty. And remember what I've been stressing all these years, that there are no compassionate degrees. If a person is unable to make it for an exam, perhaps they have a bereavement and it's unfortunate. They still won't give them the degree just like that. They'll give them a deferred one, a deferred exam. There's, so in the same way, you can't grow by us feeling pity for you, by us feeling bad for you. You only grow by the word. And we want a church that is grown. So when it comes to this part, we will not relent. I would rather someone goes before God and complains, God, the pastor you gave me. And God says, what's wrong? He, he gets angry when I've not attended to the word of God. 
Can you imagine? He just wants me to grow and become a spiritual giant so that I can fulfill my purpose. And he's so stubborn about it. And God will say, that's why I give him to you. <laughs> like for like. <laughs> Praise God. Point number two. Church is a place of being serviced. It's a place of being serviced. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. The Bible says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Let's go on. For the equipping of the saints. If you read it from the King James, it will say, For the perfecting of the saints. So it says, for the equipping of the saints or for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I've already explained that the easiest platform is when we gather like this and the word is taught. Opportunity for you to be serviced. Remember, the more expensive the car, the more expensive the servicing. You have to give attention to servicing a bigger car. Where's of those guys who do those races? Sometimes they have to service it during the race. So when you come for church, it's an opportunity for you to be serviced. It's an opportunity. We don't know what kind of week you may have had. We don't know what may have been said that needs to be flushed out. We don't know who may have spoken a negative word which we need to cancel and speak a more positive one. We never know really what may have happened during the week. But it's an opportunity to be serviced. If you want to be on fire, be around people who are on fire. Yes, be around people who are on fire. <laughs> that's, that, that's the key. So it's an opportunity to be serviced. Praise God. So that's why we call it a service. Or at least... Sounds nice to say it like that. Okay? And then, church is a place where we can experience communal times of refreshment. I'm sure you know the scripture I'm about to give you, right? Every intercessor's favorite scripture. I knew it because I used to lead intercession a lot. And when I would lead intercession, I would first start by encouraging myself. Have you ever led intercession at 6, service study at 10? <laughs> and so first part, I would encourage myself and the other two people who are there. So I would immediately go to Matthew 18, verse 20. And what does it say? For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And of course, the next words will be, it doesn't matter the number. And then immediately after that, you're like, now let's pray for numbers. <laughs> So he says, where two or three are gathered in my name. This is different from people gathering to watch a football match. It's different from people gathering to watch a movie. It's different from people gathering to sing a song or something like that. There is a specific reason for the gathering. They are gathering in the name of the Lord. What does Jesus do? He honors that with his presence. So there is a corporateness of the presence of God. Look at Acts chapter 4. 
And then look at verse 21. Acts 4 and verse 21. Notice this. Just be a little quicker. Okay. Verse 22. This is what happens, right? Acts 4.22. Okay. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Just keep going. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Look at what happens next. So when they heard that, they raised their voice. It doesn't say their voices. It says they raised their voice. There was a oneness about it. To God with one accord. And then they began to pray. The results of the prayer are seen in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place they were in was shaken. And the Spirit of God filled one, two, no. He filled all of them. And they spoke the word with boldness. It's easier for us to come out with the same language, come out with the same anointing, come out with the same grace when we've all gathered in one accord. We can experience a communal time of refreshment. Look at Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent therefore, every one of you, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When I was about 15 years old, I was reading the book of Acts, and I came across a verse which has stuck in me. Acts 14, and verse 19 to 20. This one stuck in me. One of the first times I heard the Spirit of God explain a scripture. It says the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. What kind of a mess do you think Paul was in? The man was stoned. And these guys never used to stone nicely. Paul knew how these guys used to stone. And they didn't lift him out of the city. They dragged him out. They believed they were dragging out a corpse. And as far as they were concerned, he was dead. Who knows? Maybe they even checked. And then what happens next? The next verse. However, <laughs> when the disciples gathered round him, it doesn't even say they prayed. It doesn't even say they fasted. It doesn't even say they laid hands. It says when they gathered round him, he rose up. <laughs> and when he rose up, he didn't even check into the hospital. He went straight. He went into the city. Next day, he was already traveling. And that day I was told, find yourself around those of your kind. <laughs> Come on. Haven't you ever experienced it before? Where your heart was burdened. And as we are in church and we're just singing, take all the praise. There's something about the joy with which that one is praising and the joy with which that one is praising. And it gets contagious. It gets contagious. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> now, in line with that, very quickly, the next question becomes, what attitude must you have when you come to church? And if I was a person who used to rhyme, you know what I would say, right? Your attitude determines your altitude. <laughs> Praise God. 
Your attitude determines your altitude. I never thought I'd use that line until today. <laughs> so your attitude will determine your altitude. So what attitude must you have when you come to church? Number one, treat any building or platform we use as the house of God. Genesis 18, Genesis 28, from verse 16 if you read earlier, you'll notice something that happened to Jacob. He was literally in between a rock and a hard place. So he decided to sleep on a rock. My goodness. For him to lay his head on a rock, it must have been something. And when he was on that rock, angels ascended and descended. He saw a ladder. And the Bible says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Never let that happen to you, where you can't discern the presence of God. He said, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And then he did something else. Let's continue. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. What made it to be the house of God? It was the presence of God. Before that, it was just a rock. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? Next verse. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put his head, and set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. Now what happened? And he called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God. I remember when we first moved here, there was a period where we would set up really, really, really late at night, especially when our services were at zero six hours. And there was a team that was very, till today I've never found words to appreciate them. I remember some of them having to go back at three or four. And then afterwards, coming back for service earlier than some people. That's the day I lost tolerance. And so I remember one night I was waiting because I would struggle to sleep if, they're not, if they have not finished. And as I dozed off, a thought had come into my mind. I was thinking, but you know, sometimes the places that we use, they're also used for other things. So is the place still sanctified? And as I saw them sweeping, I was seeing the angels of God also doing their thing and sweeping. And I realized that the moment we say this is service, the place becomes sanctified. It becomes holy. Even that Zoom meeting ceases to be an ordinary one. It ceases to be. It becomes the house of God. Honor it as the house of God. Acknowledge the holiness of God in a place. That will help you. Praise God. Secondly, in terms of your attitude, there is never a bad day to come to church. Always remember that. There is never a bad day to come to church. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So don't say I'm in a bad space so I'll start coming to church when I recover. That's like saying... Maybe you've got an appointment for a review with the doctor and then you call the doctor and say, oh, I can't come for the review because I'm not feeling well. 
Praise God. There is never a bad day to come to church. There is never a bad one. Always remember that. There is never a bad day to come to church. If you have to come to church crying, come cry here. If they ask what's going on, say no. Pastor said, church is a place where I should just bring myself. So, na vileta, vilamba, vonse. Na vileta kuri murungu. I don't know if you're getting my point. You even intercede. And then when you intercede, somehow it will cause the praise team that day to sing, Ganalila Yahweh. I say, God, this is my cue. <laughs> Give him one or two good ones. I'm just saying, like, there's never a bad day to come to church. Praise God. There's never a bad day. So even on the day that you consider a bad day, the day that's hard, the day where you're in a bad space, I think that's what I've heard. It being called, is it called a bad space, a difficult space, a bad place, whichever. On that same day, let Jesus be invited in it. I mean, if, they, if there's a storm, you'd want Jesus in your boat. You'd want him in your boat. Eh? So there's, have that mindset that there's never a bad day to come to church. Ask David. When David had that funeral, what did he do? Washed himself up and went to the temple. Because David, if you read the Psalms, was himself before God. So there's never a bad day. Never forget that. Now, next one. You must be glad to come to the house of God. Now, someone would say, Pastor, <laughs> but you just told us that even when you have tears. Yes, the scriptures are like that. In the scripture that says, they that so in tears shall reap in joy. And then there's another one that says, God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm glad that there's a scripture for each season. But all factors even come to church with that glad attitude. Like the way a, like maybe that's why Jesus said the kingdom is, it's like likened unto children. It's likened unto children. Luke 7, very quickly. Well, let's use Matthew 11, verse 17. It's the same portion of scripture. Let's start from 16. You must be glad to come to church. Jesus says something. Now, it came to pass that when Jesus finished commanding, mm, verse 16, please. Can I have verse 16 quickly? But to what shall I liken this generation? He said, it is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions. Next verse. And saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. In short, he's saying, what do you want us to do? We sing a happy song, you don't dance. We express longing for God, you don't want to show hunger. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let Jesus say that of you. Like, I mean, imagine on, on the actual day, and the only thing Jesus has to say about you is like, eh, you were stiff in church, please. <laughs> like, hey, 
not even condemn it or tell her. Or at least when they say everybody manja chako tutu. Manja. Just a hand. I mean, you see when we go later on that God wants us all to participate when we're having church. And even for the teams that lead us in all these sessions, it's very discouraging. It's very discouraging. It's like you're telling them what they're doing is not important. They're leading us in these sessions of, of praise. And you're just there watching them like, it's discouraging. Imagine if they did the same thing. You walk out saying, that church, even the praise team is not serious. Do you also want them to walk out saying, those members? I don't know if you're getting it. So, don't be that one. And listen, one of the reasons I talk like that is because I used to be like that. I used to think that's being deep spiritually. Like during praise, I'll just be like this. Then when it's worship, I'll say, that's my cue. I wonder, I heard God say, loosen up. And when I read in the scriptures, I saw David, who was after God's heart. And one of the things about that, the gentleman danced before the Lord. And when he was questioned, he said it was before God who made me king. And then he added a penalty, instead of your father. <laughs> Praise God. So never forget to do that. Be glad. Psalm 122 verse 1. A song of degrees of David. And it says, I was... That's how we know we went to Sunday school. <laughs> okay, guys, we get it. You know how to sing? <laughs> the, we are quoting the scripture. It says, I was glad when they said to me. Imagine if everyone came to church bouncing. Like, like you know, <laughs> maybe you drop off the bus or you come out of the car and you're like, hi, can you imagine why in church today you meet the... The security, security, how are you doing? I see you. <laughs> you come meet the hospitality, you're like, hospitality. <laughs> you meet your brother or sister before you end and say, my brother, today is the one. I don't, like, be glad to come to church. Come buzzing. Imagine the atmosphere if everybody is buzzing. It says, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And I will enter his courts with praise. So as you are entering, we lift our hands in the sanctuary. Ah, hey! I think people should be coming early. And then as you are entering, they are playing for you some Yes. Okay, guys, let's go back. <laughs> Imagine such a service. It's buzzing. How many of you? How many of you have ever gone to watch a football game live? I remember when I was younger, my, my, my dad took me to watch Zanako. I wasn't even a fan. You guys are expecting me to say Manu. <laughs> Do you know how much a ticket is from here to England? <laughs> I wasn't even a fan of Zanako, but my friend, the atmosphere, everyone was singing. I just wanted to sing with them as well. So we said, say, yeah, one seven, one All of us are being There was even a player who played, is it at Babo? I think uh, they, they called him Babo Brown or something. And when he came in, everyone was, Pelo Babo, away. So I also said, Stand, you were Pelo Babo. <laughs> it was my first time hearing of him. 
Next, determine in your heart that it is your service. Luke 5.17 shows us a scenario where Jesus is teaching in a certain place and the power was present to heal. Now, that power didn't benefit everyone if you keep reading. And the teaching could have been just another ordinary teaching. But we see another situation in Luke 8 verse 43 of a woman who had an issue of blood. And when you read all the way to 40, 47, you'll notice that this woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And then Jesus said, who touched me? And then everyone said, refusing, ah, it's now a good one. <laughs> no, I didn't touch him. This other person who was touching also looked the other side. And then Peter, who was more mature, came and said, Master, there are so many people here and they're asking who touched you. And he says, no, 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 there's somebody who touched me. I felt power leave me. And the woman came trembling, and she was already healed. She came trembling and told him the reason why she touched him. So everybody touched him, but she touched him for a reason, and it ended up being her season. I don't know if you're getting my point. So when... <laughs> determine in your heart that it's your service. Determine in your heart that for you... If, even if the word that is being taught today is on how, uh, maybe, because as we teach everything, right? The Bible says he saw them and they were like sheep without shepherds, so he taught them many things. So let's say you come and the sermon today is on how to save money. You, if what you came for is that hand needed to be healed, somehow you'll find a connection between, you know, your hand needs to be in order for you to save money. So Lord, I receive my healing. <laughs> or... <laughs> For God to talk about saving money, clearly they want me to spend all this money on medical bills. So Lord, I receive my healing. I, I don't know if it, like determining your heart, it's a skill. Praise God. Next, very quickly, treat the word of God as prophecy over your life. The word that's been taught, treat it as prophecy. One of the primary displays of prophecy, which many people don't know, is through preaching and teaching. Because the word of God searches and the word of God can decide to talk about you in an example. In an example. There's one wonderful gentleman, he's our member now, and he's quite elderly. And he came to see me in my office and he says, Pastor, let me tell you how I joined you. And he tells me saying, I was just passing by the pharmacy. Then I came up. Then as I was coming up, you, you were like, you know, some people should have been with us by now, but they thought we were too young. And he's like, <laughs> that's how he decided to keep coming. Now, I wouldn't ordinarily, I think that's the day I was, and it was just part of my sermon notes. No, it wasn't actually part of my sermon notes. I just said it. And I wouldn't ordinarily say that, but it ended up being his word. So treat the word of God as prophecy. I've received so many other ones. People will just come and say, Pastor, you don't know what happened. I was going through A, B, C, D, and then you cracked a joke about A, B, C, D, and that joke was referring to A, B, C, D, and it was my word. Notice 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, from the Amplified. Hey, how many of you feel like you're a well-taught church? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, very quickly. On the other hand, observe this, the one who prophesies, look at the brackets, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. 
speaks unto men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. So it's not always that prophecy will come in the form of God is saying A, B, C, D about you. More likely than not, the biggest prophecy you usually receive is when the word of God is being taught to you because it's not possible to be individually located every meeting. Like I've been for meetings where they said they'll prophesy to everyone one-on-one -on -one, and it hasn't happened. <laughs> Ten people later, <laughs> the meeting has finished. I'm just being honest with you. So for you, you must come with the mindset of, God, it would be nice if pastor spoke to me uh, personally, but come what may, I'm going to hear from you today. That's the mindset you should come with. Then, the second, the penultimate one. Do not do anything in church that would disturb the preacher or your neighbor. Imagine the cost of disturbing the preacher. You could be costing yourself, you could be costing somebody else, because the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the preacher is still an earthen vessel. And the vessel, the way they like things done. So for example, if you keep running around doing somersaults, that side to that side to that side, constantly going to answer your phone and you're not even a doctor who's on call it's just someone who's saying ah oh, okay we never hear from there but you know what you can do you know those things for cutting a call and you can send a message edit one of them say i'm in service okay by the way i also receive calls when preaching you would be amazed no you would be amazed You'd be amazed by the number of calls I receive when I'm preaching. But imagine if I was answering them. Hi, I'm preaching. You would think I'm being disrespectful to you. Now, the same way I will respect you by putting my phones on silent, not answering any call, not going on any conversations, you can do the same. You can do the same. Those, remember that time when I used to like moving around in the audience a lot? I'd be shocked. Someone's on WhatsApp. How's your day? So don't do anything that would distract both the preacher and your neighbor. Your neighbor is also important. Don't deliberately try to, try to distract them. For example, do you know it's possible I can be preaching right now and you can sense a prophetic tongue that needs an interpretation? You know what the Bible says in that moment? That the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet because you might disturb the preaching of the word. So in that moment, it's diff there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and your human spirit. It's okay. I'll say that one. <laughs> that one needs a class. So what I explained to you. There are moments where I can tell this is God just trying to do something. And you can tell this one is just not containing their vessel. Especially if God has said now is the moment for the preaching of the word. Okay. There was a time I was in a meeting. Some of you remember it, right? I think that's the day I sang, long live the king. And then I heard God tell me, tell everyone to be quiet. So I said, can everybody be quiet? Some people are like, that's my cue. I'm like, God, what do I do? I'm not going to stop people. And he says, tell them to be quiet. I say, everybody, quiet! See? I don't know. <laughs> Some of you remember that, right? And God moved that day. Or like if a prophecy is being given, 
for that moment continue people want to hear it at that moment that's a moment to listen you can shout afterwards okay or like others who want to come have a meal plate knife fork a sausage vashitako we are all fasting your neighbor came to church fasting you are busy seated in your seat with a sausage afterwards you remove something else afterwards something else you carried <laughs> and maybe even your your chewing is <laughs> yes pastor come on pastor no come on finally finally brethren respond as the word is being taught Nehemiah 8 verse 2 to 7 very quickly you'll be scrolling quickly in the amplified and Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of both men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first of the seventh month so there was an assembly like this one let's continue and go to verse um, okay let's just continue let's just go to verse 3 okay Three, and then I'll be quick. He read from it facing the broad place before the water gate, and from early morning until noon. So this service lasted six hours or something. In the presence of the men and women, and those who could understand, and the people were attentive. Be attentive. Next verse. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden pulpit, which they had made for that purpose. And beside him was the protocol team. Next verse. <laughs> Ezra opened the book in the sight of all people, for he was standing above them. So there was a stage. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. That just shows you there was reverence for the word. I'm not saying now stand up the entire time I'm preaching, because me, it might distract me. But in your heart, stand up and reverence the word. Next verse. Yeah, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and some of the people, and all the people answered. I said, all the people answered, doing what? Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with faces to the ground. They participated in the service. Next verse. And all these guys helped the people to understand the law and the people remained in their place so you can see those like some form of cell meetings next verse and they read from the book of the law distinctly faithfully amplifying and giving the sense so that the people understood the reading that's what we do so the final point with that one is participate in the service participate don't be the one who denies god and amen when we say everybody say glory, don't be that one, that bold one who denies God a glory. Everybody say glory. glory. Now, why do we have all the meetings we have? Acts 2.42 4, Acts says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And in verse 46, it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So you can already see there's some form of cell structure because it was house to house. And then you observe that they learned of the word 
daily. So we don't even have enough meetings. If you want, I, I hear people saying, we want, we want to grow like the church in Acts. Pastors, too many meetings. Can you imagine Wednesday service, Sunday service, plus there's always like a Zoom meeting somewhere. You want to grow like the church in Acts? They met, they continued daily. So daily, there must always be some form of fellowship, some form of communion. It didn't always have to be long, but even just five, ten minutes a day of corporate communion can do something in people's lives. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our third pillar. This is one of those things which, if we do without, we'll struggle as COL. But if we embrace, the church will grow and it will march on. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, very quickly, with every eye closed, if there's any person in here who's saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be born again. I want to be a new creation. And you can tell because if things are not right in your life with God, you'll know it. Some of you are watching me, and some may be in this auditorium. If you're watching me, there's a form that you'll see that says, for salvation, click it. If you can't click it, just type in the chat your name and number and say, I've just given my life to Christ. And if you're in the auditorium and you want to give your life to Christ, I'll give you a few seconds. Raise your hand and respond to this call from God. And we'll help somebody who's watching us live. And even if you're listening to the podcast, the description is still there. Say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord. And from this day, I'm born again. Amen. Now everybody say after me, say in the name of Jesus. I have heard the word. I have eaten the word. And I become this word. Say in Jesus' name. All circumstances, whether it be work, family, society, health, they all align in order for me to fulfill this pillar of attendance in Jesus' name. Now I pray over all of you that you're blessed and that your week is blessed and that all is well with you. All is well with your soul, with your mind, with your body, with your finances, and with anything that concerns you. All is well. That's your word. That all is well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed, and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.